to us, ministering here in London, and uh, uh, so many important things for us to remember. So uh, before we read, though, let's bow in prayer. Gracious God, thank you so much for your word, and thank you for Jesus. Jesus, we lift you up, we exalt you as King of kings and Lord of lords, and we thank you that you are the ruler of this city and the ruler of this nation and the ruler of this world. And we love you and we praise you that you have overcome the world and you have overcome all the powers of darkness. And so, Father, I pray that you'd open our eyes and our hearts to see Jesus as he really is, King of kings and Lord of lords, exalted over the heavenly places. And, Father, we come against anything that would stand in the way of us seeing Jesus and the people around us seeing Jesus. Let Jesus be revealed. Let Jesus be magnified here in this city. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and open up the word to us this day and fall upon me that in spite of uh, my horse throat and not feeling well, that I can proclaim your word to your people today boldly and faithfully in honor to Jesus. For we praise you and honor you and worship you in his name. Amen. Okay, uh, Colossians chapter 1, great passage, uh, one of my favorites, it's just such, such an amazing passage. It's talking about Jesus here. Jesus, the Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself, that's God's self, all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Interest, uh, London is one of the most incredible places to be, I think, in the world right now. And uh, I, I love this city. Uh, I love London. I love the fact that God has called us here to London. I love City Temple. Uh, and certainly, uh, it is an incredible, incredible city and probably one of the most challenging places to live that I know of. I mean, we face all kinds of obstacles and all kinds of problems. And especially for us as Christians, sometimes it seems like everything is arrayed against us. And partly that's because everything is arrayed against us. Uh, we had this uh, saying that I had growing up, uh, and that is, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. And, uh, and certainly, that can be the case in London. I mean, you think about London, and we, not only is, the, is this the greatest city on the planet, but uh, also London is the intersection of major demonic forces that are actually fighting even with each other for dominance. You have one of the historic forces that animate London, particularly the city of London, uh, a spirit of empire, 
you know, wanting to build and extend and conquer and have empire. Uh, and then you also have Islam, and Islam ministers in the, in the same kind of way. The goal of Islam is really to conquer the world, no matter what uh, people will say. And that's not to say every, the goal of every Muslim is to do that. Many Muslims are decent people uh, who, love, uh, uh, who love doing the right thing and want to do the right thing and are moral people and sometimes behave better than Christians. But Islam as a whole, as a religion, is bent on conquering the world. I mean, that's, a, that's, that's part of the desire of it, just as, you know, in, in many respects, the English Empire back in the 1800s was uh, bent on colonizing the world. And you have that happening, and you have atheism that's come to the fore here, and you have naturalistic evolution, uh, the idea that this whole world has come about, about by natural processes having nothing to do with God. And all of these things are conflicting here, and they're coming against one another, and they're coming against the church. I mean, one thing that all of these things that we've mentioned have in common is that they are arrayed against the church of Jesus Christ. And then you have secularism and materialism and all these other isms that you can come up and you can think of. And all of these things together feels like sometimes everybody's out to get us and in a sense everybody is. And it's very easy for us in the middle of all of this to become really discouraged. Sometimes it seems like when the battle is raging all around you and the enemy has overwhelmed you and it seems like you are powerless and you actually are powerless because we are in, many, in, in of ourselves powerless, it's very easy to begin to think that we can't have the victory, that we can't stand true to Jesus, that we can't, uh, we can't maintain our faith, that the best thing to do is to be to capitulate and to get along with the world. And there are many Christians who have done that. There are many Christians who have just given in to the spirit of the age and they've sacrificed their beliefs and they've sacrificed their lives, uh, their lifestyle and everything like that for what seems to go good in our society. On the other hand, there are many Christians that have totally isolated themselves and, and become known by being against everything. And both of those approaches belies something at the core of our beliefs, and that is that Jesus, we don't really believe that Jesus is Lord. We don't really believe that Jesus is who he said he is. Because if we really believe that Jesus is who he said he is, and who the scriptures say he is, then neither would we run away from the world, but neither would we, or, nor would we capitulate to the world. but we would stand bold and faithful in the midst of the battle, knowing that we have a Jesus who is God. Excuse me. And it's in the midst of this, in this confusion, that Paul's passage here to the Christians in Colossae becomes very, very important to us. And we need to understand what Paul is saying about Jesus because it is this Jesus that we serve. It is this Jesus that we follow. It is this Jesus who is Lord. It is this Jesus who will be the culmination of history no matter whether there are five people or 5,000 people gathered in this place that doesn't change the truth about who Jesus is. And that's what Paul is telling us here. And so what does Paul say? 
Paul says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. The first thing we know, need to know about Jesus is that when we see Jesus, we see God. Most of us, we could not comprehend God if we saw God in all of His godness. If we saw God fully revealed as who He is, we would die. That's what God told Moses. He said, nobody can see my face and live. And God is so big, and God is so great, God transcends the universe. He is greater than the universe. He doesn't depend on the universe for His existence. God is so magnificent and so glorious that there is no way for us as mere human beings, as created beings, to get our minds around who God really is. And in that came Jesus. And Jesus becomes for us the person fully God, to whom we can relate. That's one of the reasons why God sent Jesus, why God united Himself with our humanity in Jesus Christ, so we could see the face of God and live. So that we could know who God really is. And when you see Jesus, Jesus is everything that God is. When you see Jesus as He really is. And so that's the first thing that Paul wants us to know is that when you see Jesus, you see God. Everything about Jesus reflects perfectly the nature and character of God. But then it's very easy to start to say, well, yeah, okay, that's great. Jesus is God, but Jesus died. He rose again and all of that. And and now we're facing this world that seems to be falling apart sometimes. There are good things that are happening, but there's a lot of bad things that are happening. We see all the problems on the news and, and all of that. We see the natural disasters. And in the midst of all of this, we can feel rather helpless and hopeless. And we can say, well, you know, do, do, do we have an answer for this? And Paul says, yes. Because Jesus is not only the image of God, the faithful representation of who God is, But through Jesus, everything that's here came into being. In the mindset of the day, the one who created something is by definition greater than that which is created. The mind of the creator is by definition greater than the mind of the created. And that's the mindset that's here. And that's why Paul spends so much time to say, that Jesus was the firstborn of all creation. That doesn't mean that Jesus was created, by the way. It means that through Jesus, the whole creation came to be. Now, how do we know that? Because it's what he says. He says, for, how do we understand this? For by Jesus, all things were created. All things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, and all the demonic forces that are around us that were distorted by the power of Satan, when they rebelled against God, everything that's there, every enemy that we can face, every ism that's there, all of that came into being because of the goodness of Jesus. Now, Jesus is not responsible for the distortion of it any more than, uh, say, a, a car manufacturer is responsible for somebody taking that car and using it in a way that's contrary to the manufacturer's specifications. But Jesus is greater than all of that. So all things were created in Jesus. 
All things were created by Jesus, and all things were created for Jesus. In other words, the day will come when the glory of Jesus is manifested in the entirety of the creation. When we see the majesty of God in Jesus Christ in the entirety of the creation. And even now, we can see the greatness of God and the greatness of Jesus in all the creation. And so Paul says, don't worry about the stuff of your life because Jesus is greater than the stuff. Because Jesus is the Creator. So not only does Jesus represent God as the image of God, Jesus is also the Creator as God is the Creator. Verse 17, And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. In other words, before, that means that that He's more important. The one that comes before is more important. He's more important than all things, and He holds all things together. In other words, not only is He the image of God, not only is He the Creator, but He's the Sovereign One. He is the one who is in charge. He is the one who is in control. There is no power on earth or in heaven that even begins to compete with the power of Jesus Christ. So that's pretty cool. But we can start to say, well, okay, that's great. We can understand all that. But what about for us as Christians? I mean, what, what is he for us? Notice verse 18. And He is the head of the body, the church. Jesus, this Creator God, this Sovereign Lord of the universe, this One who is the perfect representation of God, is also our leader. And we are intimately connected with Him. Do you catch that? He is the head of the body, the church. Now, I'd like everybody to try take your head off right now. You can't, because the head is intimately and inseparably connected to the body if the body is going to have life. And Jesus is our head who is intimately and inseparably connected to us because nobody can cut off our head when our head is Jesus. And so Jesus is for us. He is connected to us. He is the one who started us. Continue on in verse 18. He is the beginning. Jesus is the originator. He is also the firstborn from the dead. So just as Jesus rose from the dead first, that's what it means, just as Jesus rose from the dead, so we also will rise from the dead. Just as Jesus had a new body, so we also will have a new body. Just as Jesus will rule and reign, so we also will rule and reign with Him. So he's the firstborn from the dead that in everything he might be preeminent. That is, Jesus is the top dog. Jesus is the one that we focus on. Jesus is the one that we adore. Jesus is our leader. Jesus is the one we follow. Jesus has the first importance in our church, in our lives. It's Jesus. And this is all about Jesus. Even when we get caught up in the the details, the myriad details of life, ultimately, Jesus will be revealed in all of it. And so we're called to hold on to Jesus. And in Jesus, 
All of this can come about because in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Everything about God is in Jesus. It's mind-blowing when you think about it. In the man Jesus, fully man, fully God, the fullness of God dwells. It's there in Jesus. God, Jesus is fully God. Jesus is fully God. And God's purpose then in Jesus, and God's purpose allowing Jesus, uh, in, in Jesus to have all of His fullness dwelling, God's purpose in Jesus creating and being the image of God, and all the things that we've talked about, is so that through Jesus, excuse me, so that through Jesus, everything might be reconciled back to God. That's God's purpose. This world is messed up in so many ways because it's alienated from God. But in Jesus, the purpose of God is to reconcile to Himself, to Himself, that meaning God, all things. Everything on earth and in heaven. Everything will be reconciled back to God. Everything will be brought back to God in Jesus. Because in Jesus... Jesus, by His blood, has brought shalom, has brought peace, has brought well-being by the blood of His cross. And this revelation of Jesus is what empowers us. This revelation of Jesus is what enables us to keep going. This revelation of Jesus is what we need to have in our minds every single day as we get up, as we get out of bed, as we trudge on off to work, as we feel so often powerless in the warp and woof of this uh, this city. This revelation of Jesus is what should animate us and remind us that we can stand strong and we can stand sure and this Jesus can take all the things of our lives and reconcile it back to the cross, uh, back to God through the, through His blood shed on the cross. And He can bring peace in our lives and He can bring well-being not only to our lives but also to our society. All of this happens in and through Jesus. The great God who's also fully human. And this revelation of Jesus is the only thing that can keep us from wandering into isolated legalism or wandering into licentious liberalism. Standing true to the real gospel, the real good news. This revelation of Jesus is what we need if we're going to live faithfully to Jesus here in London. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that in in this next few days that you'd open up more and more and more and more to us the truth about who Jesus really is. Give us all a fresh revelation of the greatness and the majesty and the holiness and the awesomeness of Jesus. Let us see Jesus high and lifted up in our churches, in our homes, even in our businesses. We love you. We praise you. We worship you. Do all this in Jesus' name. Amen.